0: 6:30, Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the
1: show that is everything Oilers. Oilers now with Bob Stauffer. Brought to you by
0: Digitex Managed Print Services to keep your printing costs down.
1: Yeah, Digitex does that.
0: D i g i t e x. ca on Oilers Radio. 6:30, Chad. It's 105 at Edmonton. Hour number two of Oilers now. Bob Stauffer, Brendan S. Scott, with you. Second hour of Oilers now. Brought to you as always by Digitex. Who wish yours and you and yours all the best during these challenging and uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software now you can reach us on our river cree resort casino hotline 780-496-0063 text us on our ashley Fine floors text line same number 780-496-0063 ashley five floors has been providing winning results for over 35 years Without further ado, we are pleased to be joined on the line uh, by a longtime NHL goaltender for the last several years. He's been with the NHL Network. We welcome back to the show Kevin Weeks. Hello, Kevin, how you doing? Stop. Great to hear you. Hope everybody's doing well out there. Well to be honest with to be honest with you, the fans are a little bit disappointed Kevin, because the Oilers uh, did not get out of the first round with the or not even the first round the qualifier with the Chicago Blackhawks. You have a global look at the league and your role at the NHL network. Give me your assessment on what didn't happen for the Oilers and why they ultimately lost to the Hawks.
1: Yeah, the Oilers, which was really which became their strength this season, obviously they're led by their two aces. Who I still think played exceptionally well in the postseason, and Connor and Dreisaitl. Yeah, I would then say that you know they had great special teams, best power play in the league at times, best penalty kill in the league. They're a more complete team, and that's what led to their success this season. And I'll stop. I know how, as the voice of the Oilers, you're plugged in there, and you know I'm, I'm sure a lot of your conversations with the great one, number 99, would reflect it. And my conversation with him. He was gushing about how complete the team was earlier in the year, which they they became a very complete team. Challenge with that is there was a disconnect in the postseason where as I mentioned your top guys they played like top guys from a production standpoint. I felt like the bottom six could have given more. You know, there there were a lot of donuts on the board for the bottom six forwards. Right who had shipped in this year. And you know and I know that to go deep in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you need to have four lines and it might be during a game that your fourth line takes over. It might be your third line that takes over. I mean, if you look at some of the depth guys for for Calgary right now, which is, is interesting to watch, those guys are playing well. Jeff Wards had a great touch in being able to reboot Milan Lucic, and obviously they were together in Boston in 2011 when they won a cup. But all that to say, Juve has played very well for them, and Bennett on that line as well, so... It's not all going through Monaghan and Goudreau right now, and I think that was one of the challenges for me with the oil is that obviously Connor's Connor, Leon's Leon, Nugent Leon, Hopkins was basically a point of game, but I felt like lower in the lineup, they weren't getting what they needed from a production standpoint because those guys are capable of chipping it. I then say the D wasn't, it didn't play up to the level that it had played at all season long. Some of that's been coming on the forwards, but a little bit more on the defense. And then the goalies didn't give you what they gave you all season long. I thought that Koskinen was really good this year, so too with Smitty. But in the postseason, that combination of the defense not being up to snuff, the goalies not necessarily being 100% razor sharp, and and uh, and not having the, the offense from the bottom six, that really hurts them.
0: Well, uh, you know, let's get to goaltending. I mean, that's a position you know well. I, I, I hate to be the guy... I will admit, uh, Kevin, at times, maybe when I was much younger and much immature, my attitude was, stop the puck. Your job's to stop the puck, that's it. Uh, I may have whistled the puck once at one of my own goaltender's heads after he showed up, a 15-year-old defenseman on a double-A team that I was on. I may have done that to the shock of everybody in the crowd. Uh, but we were up 8-2 in the game, so he needed a high-hard one to wake him up. Uh, but. You know, I love Cosk. You know what? It's funny. I think Koskinen's a serviceable NHL goaltender. I love Smith's competitiveness and the passion. I think Smith and uh, James Neal helped give the orders a little bit of juice. I wish Smith, yes, totally. I wish Smith had altered his game a bit with the, he was, you know, aggressive with puck handling because mm. that goal that he gave up against in game one, I think the orders were already unsettled and that even mm. further that even furthered it. So I don't want to blame the goaltending, but can you come back with the same tandem? With you know, you got Koskinen here at four and a half. Mike's right. uh, a UFA. Uh, Mike's going to find a job if he wants to play. Someone's going to bring him in. But sure. can you, if you were if you were Ken Holland, what would you do with the Oilers' goaltending situation?
1: I mean, I'd certainly be looking at the at the landscape. You know, I'd be looking at the marketplace to see. As you mentioned, Smithy's going to be a UFA. Smithy had a really good season. Last year in the playoffs, he was absolutely money for Calgary. Had not for them, Colorado would have rinsed them four straight. He was incredible last year, but he does come off the books. This year, he'll be a UFA. I I agree with you. I think Smitty will be able to find an opportunity if he wants to continue playing, and no question about that. And then uh, as far as as Nico Koskinen goes, he has two more years on his deal at a relatively decent number at 4.5. Now, keep in mind the cap is flat, but... I would be exploring, I would certainly be exploring the marketplace if I was Kenny simply because I just think given the fact that it's going to be a flat cap, there could be some opportunities and there could be some goalies that might become available. Is Matt Murray somebody that you'd be interested in potentially? He's won two cups with Pittsburgh. Tristan Jari, who you should know well there from Edmonton For for the listeners, he's a former Royal King and he was great out there. So is that a guy that you bring in? He's still at a. Uh, Matt Murray's still at a relatively cheap number. Maybe that's Jarry's team going forward. Pittsburgh's been pretty public in the fact that they want to cut some money from their payroll and get down to, you know, say a 70 to $75 million range on their cap as opposed to going to the ceiling at 81.5. So that's an option that you look at. Do you also consider maybe contacting Boston to see if they have any appetite or would they consider moving to Carrasque? You know, just as an example, like those are two guys that are out there, and there will be many more, you consider Braden Hopi. I mean, what's Washington's appetite to know Braden Hopi after this year? He's a UFA. You consider bringing him in and and doing it on a shorter-term deal. So I don't think that there's going to be any shortage of potential goalies out there in the marketplace. Of course, it just comes down to cost, acquisition cost. But if I'm the oil, it's something that I'm definitely looking at. If I'm Kenny Holland, I'm certainly considering uh, any of those type potential scenarios. Like Jacob Markstrom, i got to think that Van's going to resign him. He's been so good for them. He's become a, an all-star goalie out there who's named for the all-star team this year. So that's a consideration, but he also is an unrestricted free agent. So I think the landscape will have a lot of opportunity for the goaltending position for uh, for Kenny and the Oilers if they want. But they have to at the very least explore upgrading that for
0: sure. All right. We're joined by Kevin Weeks, longtime NHL goaltender from the NHL Network. So, Kevin... If somebody were to 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 reach out to you and say, "Look, we think you can be in man, you know, we think you can manage a team," how reliant would you? How much importance would you place on a goaltending coach? And I'm thinking of a guy like Mitch Corn because you brought up uh, Holtby, and to me, huh? he hasn't looked the same since Corn left. And uh, I'm thinking Laner, who I think Corn helped resurrect. Sure. The player's got to get credit too. So, how important is the goalie coach? And, and part two to let, how much do you look at the analytics? Cause I know that Matt Murray's, uh, you know, goals above expected saves was a little high this year. Whereas conversely, yeah. Markstrom, I believe had the best save percentage on first shots of any goaltender during the course of the season. Like he, you could beat him on rebounds and stuff. And he played a lot Correct. for Vancouver, but he did a terrific job on, on first shots. So analytics, goaltending coach, give me your take on that. Yeah,
1: I mean, as far as goalie coaches, appreciate the question. As far as goalie coaches, I mean, if I'm running a team, there's certain things that I would do that I'd keep that I that I wouldn't air here, as far (laughs) as strategically with with uh, in terms of how I structure things. But I will definitely tell you this: at the top of that priority list, outside of people development, and then player development would be goaltending, and the way in which that would be structured, there'd be no stone unturned. There would be a, a ton of resources both in terms of the staffing and, you know, technical resources, off-ice, on-ice devices. There'll be a lot of different things that I'd like to to implement. And I think that goalie coaches, from my experience in the league, playing, they make the world of a difference. And if you have the right goalie coach that understands how to relate to each pupil, each girl or boy, uh, you know, young man, young woman that, that they're working with, if they can relate to them as a person, that's key. And then when they can relate to them as a goalie and not try to force things on them, that's even more important. So let me give you an example to your point. Let's look at Columbus now. My agent, Paul Tiafones, out of New York here, represents Bobrovsky. So we know Bob's has been a really good goalie his entire NHL career since he came in at 20 with Philly. He's you know all-star, two Vesna trophies, but he opted to explore free agency signs in Florida, right? Yeah. So look at Columbus now. Look at the job Manny Legacy's done with Elvis Merzlikens and Jonas Korpisalo. Not to mention they had the kid Kiv Lennox too this year, the Latvian kid who played in some games to them. So they've had to go three goalies deep and look at the way those guys have played and there's no real drop off from a two-time Besna Trophy winner. So to me, there's a a perfect example of an organization, it's not limited to them, but it's a perfect example of, of a team in an organization that's prioritized that position. And Manny Legacies had an awesome role there and done a great job. But goalie coaches and top-end goalie coaches and goalie associate coaches, maybe even senior advisor, are absolutely paramount to every team's success, Stop. Let's put it this way. I know that you're a well-rounded sports guy as well, okay? Terrible news for what happened in the CFL. Awful. Right. Do you? But do you think that the Eskimos are winning – would have won any of those uh, great cups without good quarterbacks? Not That's a not chance. Not a chance. Not a chance, right? So you know the QB, and I just drew that because you know what QBs mean to football. That's what goalies mean to hockey. But then oftentimes, and I know you probably heard this too, when you talk to some hockey personnel, even managerial and coaches, they'll tell you, well, I don't know anything about goalies. But could you imagine a football coach saying, could you imagine Bill Belichick saying, well, I don't know anything about quarterbacks? But like that could never happen. So they're paramount to a team's success. And when you can develop your NHL guys, your your young prospects, draftees, maybe some pros that you bring in from Europe, etc., that could mean the difference in a normal year, not in a COVID world, soft. But yeah, that could mean the difference of your team. Not only getting to the playoffs is hard enough to get there, but let's say it's the oil in a in a typical year with the new beautiful building. Maybe that's like $3, three and a half, four million million, $4 million in revenue per home game in the playoffs for your ownership group, not to mention you have a chance of, of winning the Stanley Cup. So I think that that's really, really pivotal to me is, uh, is having that. And then as far as the analytics go, from an analytics standpoint, you're spot on with that. And I feel like if you can take a deeper dive into the numbers in an objective kind of outlook, and then you know how and when to apply them, you're not going to be as easily swayed per se on player A like goalie A or goalie B right? because you'll be looking deeper into the actual numbers that matter and that will also help you be able to evaluate those goalies. So let me just kick it here for an example. The top-end guy, let's say Carey Price. Say Price. We know how great he's been. He's been great since he was in Tri-Suden, right, in the dub. Right. 16 years old, Olaf Colden told me, Weeksie? This guy's ready for the show now. When Kerry was 16, he told me that. So you saw what he did in the World Junior in that epic game. Right. You saw what he did at the end of his time in the dub when he went up to Hamilton, the HL, and won the Calder Cup for them as a junior-age guy and playoff MVP. The last guy to do that was the great Patrick Waugh, by the way, but that's another story. So when you look at that, you're like, okay, we got Kerry Price, but the gap between Kerry Price and a Jonas Corposalo or a Markstrom or – a lot of the other goalies around the league, it's not as big as it used to be. So that's something that's interesting to me is if you can get a guy on value, the the gap between your top-end guys and everybody else isn't as big as it used to be, certainly in the 90s and the 80s or when I came into the league.
0: Well, it's interesting because, uh, and by the way, I I think I'm the only broadcaster in the league, Kevin, that's ever been to Anaheim Lake, where Carrie's from. I was there in 1997. Uh, uh, I love that. It's uh, it's, a, it's an amazing place. It's just an absolutely beautiful country. Uh, but what I w- would say to you is you, you brought up the situation in Columbus, and you have scenarios where teams can only protect one goaltender moving forward in expansion. Uh, you mentioned Lechkins who's represented by Edmonton's Jerry Johansson. I think he's getting paid four million times, too. and yeah, new deal, and, correct. And, yep, correct. And Corpus Salo their guy right now. Like Correct. I mean, is, is could that be another potential trade target? Because you know I'm I'm intrigued by your comment about Columbus. It's interesting. Uh, it's interesting with Mitch Corn because there's there, you know there's some people that are his detractors. All I know is Dominic Hasek to me was an unorthodox poor goaltender in Chicago. He works with Mitch in Buffalo and he becomes a complete. Now, now that's a lot on the player, a lot on the player sure. for sure. But somebody helped get that guy to the next level, and so to Holy me it's a right it's a it's a critical position and then you look at the guys in nashville like vocoon and and renee they were better when mitch was there you look at holtby better when mitch was there you look at laner turns his career around with mitch with the islanders now part of it's the way the islanders played but there's got to be credit also uh there as well for the guardian um couple more quick ones here for you. Just uh, We're joined by longtime NHL goaltender Kevin Weeks, uh, works with the NHL Network. Bob Stopper with you on orders now. Part of what uh, you, you mentioned, the goaltending, the transition game was a bit of an issue. I'm intrigued to see how a kid like Caleb Jones, where he's going to go in the next couple of years, he's got a great contract from a team perspective. Kevin, I, the orders outshot Chicago 21-3 to Yeah, in, in the five-on-five minutes that Caleb yeah. Jones played. In the uh, in the qualifier, he had a game a couple of years ago in Vancouver when him and Kevin Gravel, I believe, the shots were twenty to one for the Oilers when they were on the ice. Like I, I look at that, I'm not saying he's even going to be a top four D-man, but I'm saying that that kid looks like a guy who could at least certainly help you in the third pairing because he makes smart, simple plays. What do you see out of him when you uh, when you watch the Oilers play? Uh, and obviously, they've got Nurse and they've got Klefbom. But I'm intrigued a bit, you know, they've got some good guys coming in Bouchard and Broberg, but do they have yeah. a guy that's already here right now that might be able to help them the most next year? Yeah, I certainly think so. And
1: you know what? I, I like Caleb Jones a lot. And you know what Stop, you and I have kinda of talked talked on this. I love Caleb Jones since the World Juniors three three years ago, three years ago, when Team USA won gold. I, I, I loved him then. I thought he was excellent. And, uh, and remember, he was Charlie McAvoy was on that team as well. Like, that was a stacked team, and he wasn't a guy that was hidden. Caleb Jones played big minutes. He was often on the penalty kill, first unit penalty kill. Does a great job of contesting passes with his stick, blocking shots. He'll do whatever it takes. You don't have to really worry when he's on the ice. So I think the biggest thing for him where it might be a little bit of an oversight for other people is they probably compare him to his brother who is, to me, top three defenseman in the world right now in Texas right. Jones and Columbus who just played 65 minutes the other night in an NHL record in games played or minutes played in a game in that five-overtime triathlon that they had. But uh I would say Caleb on his own track in his own developmental track, I think he could be a nice piece. And I really think he can. I think he can be, you know, a top four. He's definitely a five. Right. He could definitely be a five on your third pair, but he has a chance to be a good solid four. You know, he could be a Charleston type player or a Johnny Oduya who I played with uh, in Jersey hmm. who won those Cups with uh, Chicago. He could be a Johnny Oduya or a Charleston type. Steady, dependable, he's mobile, can be physical enough, can contest passes, block shots, do all the little things, skate well enough to contribute every once in a while. I think that he's an underrated piece for the Oilers just the way I thought Ethan Bear was an underrated piece for the Oilers. Uh, I like Caleb Jones a lot. I think he has a lot to offer, and you know, a big part as you guys know this out there in Edmonton too. A big part of the oil's improvement this past year under Dave Tippett, especially, was the fact that overall they defended much better. It wasn't really the case in the qualifying round at right. per se, right. but hey, man, you got to give them credit. Like the way they defended and the way they improved in that area of the game,
0: that also tied into vis-a-vis their penalty kill improvement too. That was the big one. That right? was the big one. That's that Huge. was the big game changer for them. Huge. And and
1: that way they weren't they weren't chasing games. They were in games and they didn't have to chase them. I always talk about that. So I think that they have something in Caleb Jones. Obviously, I know Evan Bouchard got uh, Bouchard got more of the height coming out of London and and he was such a great junior player. And you know you mentioned Roberg, who I liked as well. By the way, he looked really good. But I think that what was once a position that was a deficiency for the oil, I think right now, for the first time in a long time, it's uh, it's a position I wouldn't say of strength, but it's certainly much stronger than it's ever been. And I think that they're they're trending in the right direction with their decor
0: right now. Yeah, no question. Look, Kevin, we appreciate your time. Have a good one. We'll hook up and maybe in a couple of weeks. Okay?
1: All right, stop. Thanks so much. Thanks
0: to you, great oiler friends out there, man. Thanks. All right, that's Kevin Weeks from the NHL Network. It's one twenty five in Edmonton. We'll take a quick time out. You're listening to Oilers Now. Hi, this is Oscar Clefbaum from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Shed. It's a very interesting comparable that Kevin Weeks from the NHL Network just brought up, investing in the goaltending position both on and off the ice. Did a you know an analysis in relation to the quarterback position and there were years where the Edmonton Eskimos Now the double-E team, of course, uh, were the deepest organization in the Canadian Football League. I mean, yeah, they had, you know, at one time, uh, Tom Wilkinson, Bruce Limmerman, and Warren Moon. And then in the mid-80s, you know, rolled out, what was it, Matt Dunnigan, Damon Allen, and Tracy Hamm. They had them all on the team at the same time. Japanese Village open to serve you at any of their five Edmonton and area locations with Alberta steak and tasty seafood cooked right at your table. Reservations are now available. You can go to jvedmonton.ca. That's online at JVEdmontonLine.ca for Japanese Village. And there's an old saying in the car business, cars cost less in Wetaskiwa. You know what though? Outstanding customer service is a key to any business as well, especially in these times. Brentridge Ford is a nine time president stamina Award winner for customer satisfaction. They'll provide you with an outstanding service at the time of purchase, and they'll continue that standard of service after the sale as well. So let Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford lend a hand by calling one 877 or go online at BrentRidge.com. Coming up at one thirty five today, he's the uh, Vice President of Silent Ice Sports and Entertainment. Uh, he worked 16 years in uh, communications for the Edmonton Oilers. will welcome back to the show J.J. Hebert. After a Global news, weather, traffic update with Kerry McCarthy. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio
1: six thirty. Chad.